Hey folks, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast and the Amazing FPA Podcast. Today we are introducing another of our sister podcasts, The E-Commerce Leader episodes, and this one I think is a really powerful one, one of our most popular episodes. It's all about digital products, and a lot of people who sell physical products, especially if they sell on Amazon, think digital products have nothing to do with their world. And that is wrong, because you can add a digital product to your product suite, and because there is near zero marginal cost, it can be incredibly profitable. It can be a first product, it can be an upsell, it can be a cross-sell, it can fit into your product catalog in lots of different ways. We're going to be talking with Jason, my um, friend and colleague, who I talk to every week on The E-Commerce Leader. And Jason is an incredibly well-placed guy to talk about this subject. He and his wife have made a living as an e-commerce store selling almost entirely digital downloads for over a decade. He's also uh, Udemy's top-rated e-commerce instructor. So that's another form of digital product with courses that he's very experienced in. And he's also uh, best-selling authors sold, I believe, 13 books so far most of which, if not all of which, are available as ebooks. So that's another form of digital product. So perfectly placed to talk about this. Really exciting opportunity. So listen up. And if you want to check out the show notes for this episode, just get over to theecommerceleader.com where you'll find more um, good stuff. We tend to do strategy level thoughts on e-commerce rather than Amazon specific stuff. Hope this is something different. As I say, one of our most popular episodes. So I hope you will find lots of value in this episode. Enjoy. Today's sponsor is Eva, the most intelligent Amazon scaling toolkit online. Amazon sellers need exact, quick-to-read profit reports. Many sellers already pay a lot of money for these. Eva has world-class finance analytics with crystal-clear graphs included at no extra cost. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers, averaging a 51% increase in profits. To get a 15-day free trial, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. We are Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today, and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com. So Jason, there are massive benefits to adding information products to your current e-commerce business. We've talked about this before, but we've got to revisit this. There are so many great reasons. So we're going to explain in this episode why it's so valuable, explain how best to do it, of course, really important and share some real life examples as well. So Jason, obviously you're a huge fan of digital products. You built your entire company around these ideas. So let's start with an obvious question. Why should somebody add a digital product to their existing e-commerce efforts? Sure. Uh, I put together three basic ideas today that I wanted to share with people that I think are not obvious and maybe are things that people haven't heard of before. And so hopefully these will pique your interest and really make you think in a new way or different way about adding a digital product to your existing e-commerce efforts. And so I'm happy to go through those. And But there are many. I mean, th this list could have literally been a dozen reasons why. And so, but I've kind of picked ones that I think might be uh, of interest that are 
worth talking about in a unique and different way. And so, so let's go through those. Absolutely. So tell me that I think, by the way, I agree that they're pretty different. Like I was reading this and thinking, oh, this is great. I like it that you've been geeking out on some micro, uh, micro economics, I should say. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's something that, that not enough of us do that there's been a bunch of smart people analyzing economics for two centuries mm -hmm. from adam smith onwards more or less and and i think that we would do well to you know dip into that world of wisdom sometimes in our little e-commerce efforts stand on the shoulders of giants whatever that's it for we're going to use so yeah tell, tell us about your first reason because i think it's a very very cool one yeah the, so the idea here is that when we are approaching any marketplace. One of the first questions that we've all kind of heard about is a total addressable market. Like how big is the market? And the total addressable market is something that you think about when you're evaluating product ideas and categories. And many people will ask themselves the question, you know, is it a big enough total addressable market? Like a lot of, you know, Silicon Valley type, you know, investors will say, is it a big total addressable market? Like a billion people, you know? But I always express to the e-commerce sellers that I work with and people I teach that what you actually want to do is find a very, very small total addressable market that's not being served well. And if you find one that's small enough that is uh, really got low competition or you know scant competition and you can really do well to market your products as a, in a professional way, then you've got something that's defensible because you'll be sort of the, you know, I guess you could say the big fish in a small pond or the, uh, the king of a little castle. And that is a, a favored position to be in compared to being in a marketplace that has a huge addressable market that you get slaughtered by competition with. So, so that, TAM idea or total addressable market is, is, is the topic here. But, but here's where the nuance for digital products comes in. What you're really looking for when you're advertising your product is not to put it in front of the total addressable market. It's not good enough to put it in front of just your TAM. Like, and pick any product, any category, and the people who are watching this will think of their own. But you can't just put your offer in front of people who would use that product and, and think you're going to get a good outcome. What you're actually really looking for is people who are switchable. Because in any marketplace, there are people who have already, they, they, they're already existing users of some product. And if they're incredibly happy with their existing solution, they're not interested in your solution. They're satisfied. Their, their need for whatever it is, is, is satiated. And, and so marketing to them is really just tilting windmills. I mean, you, you will, in essence, just waste your money. And so what you're really looking for is a subset of the TAM that is available to be, to be switched. And that subset is where you're going to strike your vein of gold, if you will, in terms of your advertising work. You're looking for the dissatisfied, the unhappy, the complainers, the people who are unwilling to use the existing alternatives or have tried them and are have found them wanting, you want to appeal to those people. And so the, the unswitchable TAMs versus the switchable TAMs is it something to think about. And then, but let's say, no, 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 I really want my competitors' customers. Like th those are the people I really want. <laughs> you know, I, Jason doesn't know what he's talking about. I, I just, I think if they tried my product, you know, they would like me better than the other guy. And fair enough. Maybe that is true. But the problem is you cannot sell them your product. And so when you can't sell them your product, what do you sell them? 
and a digital good, how to, we'll talk about the modalities, but, but a digital product is something you can sell to the unswitchable TAMs because it's not exactly what you know, th- they're getting from someone else. It's a twist on it. It's a, it's a guerrilla marketing approach to get in front of them on their radar and, and solicit their attention and get it with a digital product. And so hopefully that makes sense. Hopefully it's, there's some nuance there, but I, I think people get my, my idea here is that if you can't sell somebody the main thing, sell them the thing about the thing, sell them an alternate that's so similar or so related that they'll be like, oh, this is on topic for me. But, but yeah, I, I'm not willing to switch the brand of soap I use or the you know brand of motor oil that I use, but I am interested in the topic. And who are these people telling me about this? So that's my first reason why digital products are really valuable to e-commerce sellers. What are your thoughts on all that craziness? Yeah, interesting. Well, I guess if economics is driving this, then it comes down to money in the end, which I guess we have to just Mm -hmm. remind ourselves that when you get into marketing mode, really it's a prelude to what shows up at the other end of the process I'm not, with the, the people that I teach. And this is for sort of geared to people who are new to e-commerce, but I think it's it's valid for in a, in a less more sophisticated way for those who aren't more established, which is to say niche source launch learn at the four phases I was teach, which is niche market decisions, the sort of thing we're talking about now. Supply, getting sourcing stuff, and that's often where the, the profit is made or not made launching stuff or selling it marketing and then looking at analyzing the figures now if we can bear in mind the analyzing the figures and how those figures pan out and how the the dynamics of the finances work before we even pick the market as part of that then that's for the sophisticated entrepreneurs of is is basically seeing what's going to come out the end of the, the machine before you put stuff into the beginning so in other words what you're saying i guess is that switching costs um for consumers are mentally quite high but for you to actually grab market share off somebody else is basically going to be quasi impossible or i would say not impossible and that's worse because what happens for amazon sellers every day of the week is that they take market share off somebody else but they actually pay money not just to launch into the market which is fine as far as i'm concerned but forever <laughs> so they, they actually do the maths after oh. several months of doing it and they go wow i'm actually paying my customers to buy this product instead of this other one that is slightly more established brand and that's a real tragedy and that happens so easily because you they mean don't because they're not profitable they're not profitable at all because mm-hmm. they are taking market share but the only reason they're taking market share is because they're not differentiated in any other way or to put it another way as you said mm-hmm. they're, they're not dealing with the dissatisfied they're dealing with the people who kind of go meh i don't mind i'll switch brand if it's a dollar cheaper or two dollars mm-hmm. cheaper but that two dollars cheaper ends up being your profit margin or mm-hmm. even worse you're actually paying money to sell goods on amazon and it's surprisingly easy to do on any platform yeah. particularly on amazon yeah. and so that that that's the flip side of it. So I guess it's another way of saying, make sure you sell to somebody who really is the sell to the man with the bleeding neck, as Perry Marshall says, mm-hmm. but it's a different, slightly different take on it really. Cause your time is not really your time is a really great. I, I love that phrase. That's a real tweetable. We should tweet these things to me, but I, I think that's really, really good. Well, if you're listening um, to this live with us, feel free to ask questions about this, this whole idea of Tam. Yeah, your Tam is not really your Tam. I, you're right. I, that is a, I think that makes, I think that makes, that's basic, a basic logical principle, right? Is people just haven't unpacked these ideas enough. And you're right. It's microeconomics, I guess. The switching costs issue. It, it, this is not my second point, but I'll just make a, a comment to yours. This gets right into the whole idea of how 
high are your switching costs for your products versus low switching costs? You know, are people easily, you know, is it a generic in people's mind? And like, oh, I don't, I don't care what type of XYZ I use. It, it doesn't matter to me. I just get one off Amazon. That's a bad, you know, product opportunity to, to reside in. It's a problematic situation. So, so I think those are important things to think through. Yeah, totally agree with you. There's one other point, which is the the related topics, which well, I said one other point. <laughs> We're going to get into microeconomics. The the TAM, there's TAM, SAM, and SOM, as I understand it. And I was just re- refreshing myself earlier about this when I looked at the notes you'd written because I thought this is really cool. So mm-hmm. SAM, t- total addressable market. The other ones are the SAM or SAM, the serviceable addressable market, which is the people mm-hmm. you're actually going to capture. Mm-hmm. And then SOM is share of market. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess... It sounds like a really crass, obvious thing to say, but because I see the opposite every day of the week, I've got to say this. There is zero point in getting 100% share of a market that loses you money every time you sell a product. (laughs) I've got to say this because you see it all the time on Amazon, not just with newbies either. Like There are some people that are really established and should know better that are selling products at almost no profit and other products are selling really profitably. And I keep having the conversation where I say, you could just switch the capital that you're getting on this mediocre profit and apply that to your other products, which normally sell really well and are running out of stock. And that's a very resistant conversation. (laughs) So, but we better bring it back to the digital products thing. So, so, so tie it in for me. How does this really tie into digital products? I kind of get the direction that you're going, but, but tie it in for me. How does this really make sense? You mean this, this issue around town? Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the basic question that you're asking yourself is how can you get in front of these people profitably? And, you know, how, how do you, how do you endear yourself to your switchable TAM and, and to to people, you know, and crack into a space. Now, if the market space you're entering is a new, new market space, like, Hey, there's a whole new industry and and I'm a part of it. No one's locked in on the brand loyalty piece yet. And so you really, it is like scramble. And so the share of wallet or share of market is up for grabs. And it's just about you bonding with people through your brand. And so, but many, many e-commerce sellers don't do that. They enter a very, very established market. And when they enter a very established market, then they have to deal with the issue of switching costs. And so again, the digital products gives you a guerrilla marketing approach into this opportunity. And and then th- this gets into our second point, which is really about how to get in front of those people, the advertising related issues for it. So, so the second topic, you ready for it? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. The second reason digital products is a really powerful concept to think about is that it's a solution to what I'll phrase as Ladria uh, or Ladria, which is like diarrhea. Have you ever heard of Ladria? I had never heard of it until I saw the notes for this conversation. So, no, tell me, I, I'm not sure that I want to reference diarrhea, but I, I was about to say Ladria is a very cool concept. And now it sounds a bit weird, but it is a very cool concept. Let's move quickly into the what does it stand for? This is something that I think many, many e commerce sellers deal with, and they don't real. they've never named it. This is yeah. an unnamed problem. And I think I'll try my best to put my finger on it, but it's basically the law of diminishing returns in advertising. So the Ladria, law of diminishing returns in advertising. Now, if you Google around, like I'm prone to do when I think of new things and look for articles or your YouTube videos on these topics, I mean, I looked and there's, there's scant information at all on the law of diminishing returns related to digital 
marketing or the law of diminishing returns related to advertising. It's just not there. But every one of us who plows money into Google AdWords or Facebook ads or any ad platform, we intuitively run into a situation that is the law of diminishing returns. And if people haven't even pondered this, they've, they have felt the symptoms if they haven't diagnosed the disease. And uh, if we call it Laudria, then there you go, or Laudria. Here's, here's how the law of diminishing returns works, just as a microeconomics little tidbit. The, there's three phases. The first phase is increasing returns. And this is when you're investing anything into any business system. So it, this could be about headcount and you know, staffing. It could be about you know, b- how many buildings you have, how many, it doesn't matter. It's, it's just the investment into your system. And the, uh, the first phase is increasing returns. And that phase is when you get the hockey stick growth. It's like, you know, we hear these stories all the time when uh, a good seller on Amazon finds out about Amazon marketing services ads or about, you know, the, the various shenanigans you can do with Amazon for, you know, promoting your products and they've never done it before and they try it and they're like, oh my gosh, hockey stick growth. I sold out of all my product. This is the best thing ever. It's amazing. And, and that happens so frequently with any new investment into any advertising system. The, the first wave of it is this hockey stick growth return. If you, you know, in, in general, if you do it right and you kind of, you know, you know, the basics of whatever it is, that's a honeymoon. Uh, phase in many ways. Uh, it's the increasing returns phase. The second phase is the diminishing returns phase. This is where you're still, it's still going up. You're still making, you know, increasing leads or sales or visits to your website or whatever it is, but it's costing you more and more. And you're putting more money into that system and getting a uh, weaker and weaker return. So the exponentialness of your initial investment starts to go away. And you're, you say to yourself, Hey, this doesn't seem to be working as good as it did last month or last year. So something's wrong. My ads aren't performing. My, you know, this, my, my ad team sucks or, you know, whatever it is. I, I got to find a new person. <laughs> and that diminishing returns phase is, is troubled water where you start to realize, okay, something's, you know, there's trouble in paradise. And then you get to the third phase, which is negative returns, which literally means the more you it put in, the worse your outcome gets. It's not that you slow down. It's that you literally lose ground in terms of the number of leads or traffic to your side or sales or you know whatever the, the metric is you're focusing on. So those are the three phases of the law of diminishing returns. And anybody who spent any volume of money on digital advertising and e-commerce has felt that effect at any level. I mean, it could be at this individual ad level. It could be at the, you know, ad platform level, like Facebook or Instagram or Google ads being whatever it is. And so you, you're dealing with that. And, and yes, I think it's a disease. I think it could be comparable to diarrhea, dehydration and death ensues. If, if, you know, I have di- diarrhea actually is like in, in developing worlds. I mean, it can be deadly. That's, that's a, oh, absolutely. No, it's very serious. But yeah, uh, yeah I, it's not the most beautiful metaphor, but right. it's, it, but never mind. It's actually, it's pretty serious and it's pretty grim. And you're yeah. right. I'm glad you've named it though, because I'm, 
I, I think it, it is a phenomenon that people discuss all the time. I mean, like in the 10K yeah. Collective Mastermind, I mean, you've met those guys. They're smart guys. They're operators. They're down in the weeds as well yeah. as trying to grow businesses and they're ambitious to sell. And a couple yeah. of them are working on selling businesses right now. And we're having conversations with some of them about that. Mm-hmm. But it, it is a problem because uh, here's the thing. The dynamics of a market tend to mean that there, there's a self-correcting not self-correcting there's 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 something about the dynamics of the market that push things in a certain direction so people pile into markets which have desirable profit levels such that there's no longer desirable profit levels so there's a sort of supply and demand tends towards some kind of equilibrium i guess and if you're one of the people supplying Mm. stuff your profits go down over time so you get increasing competition increasing ad costs i mean search on, on amazon a bigger and bigger percentage of the search results are ads that's not a coincidence this is not a natural phenomenon it's run by a company for profit and amazon makes most of its profit from aws which may sooner or later get you know split up by antitrust legislation from the retail side and the only thing that makes any money on the retail side is is ads so it's not a coincidence they make a lot more money when you don't sell stuff than when they do sadly and so yeah that that dynamic is really brutal the only other thing I was going to say, and, and then we need to bring it back to digital products as a solution, but I would say it's fundamentally an economics problem. Yes. And therefore, the, the solution has to be economics. The, the related thing, which maybe we should revisit, is Perry Marshall talks about that there's an instant dynamic about the cost of acquiring market share. So the first yes. few percent are very, very cheap. You just talked about that. And then one of the reasons things get harder as a separate issue from increasing competition, increasing ad costs, even if that didn't happen, if you're trying to get more of the market, you're trying to take it off other people who are more and more serious competitors and more and more established. So if I want to sell mm-hmm. soap, I can probably sell 5% of the soap being based on the fact that's a little bit different and maybe I've got mm-hmm. some cute packaging, it's a bit cheaper. If I want to bring, win a big percentage, I've got to take it off uh, Unilever or mm-hmm. Johnson Johnson or Dove, which is probably you know one of the... The hand, one of the brands owned by these monster conglomerates that have hundreds of billions in sales. And, yeah. and there you're up against a really sharp fight. But I have to say on the other side of that, though, he does say that once you've got past a certain bulk of the market share, it then kind of gets cheaper again. So what, what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on that? Yeah, when he says that you the first couple percentage points are easy, that may be true, may not be true. But what it reminds me of is that, that phrase, and I'm not sure the phrase is exactly right with it, but it's like the destruction of the commons. Or like the, in, in essence, like here, here's the example, AMS or Amazon marketing tools, whatever they call it now, I always call it AMS, that's available to everyone. And if you're the first person in your sub niche to use it, you have a massive, massive advantage. You're in a green pasture that is pristine. Like it's just all tall grass that you can, if you're a cow, you can eat it or whatever the metaphor we're using here is, but there's a, it's a pasture. It, would you like to be a sheep? A goat or a cow, Michael, in this metaphor. With cow, uh, but yeah, <laughs> let's keep going. <laughs> so you get the idea. You're There you are chomping on your stuff there and it's working and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm making so much money. This is so easy. The The ACOS is super, super amazing. Average cost of sales. And, and then old Bob shows up, another person. He's a, a second llama comes into the pasture and then a third llama and a fourth llama and Everyone has access to the same tools and they all realize that it can boost wherever they are at them up incrementally a little bit. But the problem is all of those people drive up the cost of, you know, the the ads. I mean, it's a a bid-based system that you're competing with on key phrases. And so, therefore, it ruins the more entrance into the space. It ruins it for everyone. So you have a real fundamental problem with 
an ad-based system because over time, the more your competitors see what you're doing and they can immediately do the same thing, it doles your your, the quality of your returns. So, so that's why this whole, you know, law of diminishing returns happens. I mean, that, that, that's like a technical reason I think it occurs. Nonetheless, it will occur. And so you, what you can't do is blindly just pump money in more and more like, well, another thousand dollars will solve this problem. Another $10,000 will solve this problem. It doesn't work that way. And so, what I've tried to do in my prior trainings around nine mountains is to say to people, you have to do something called traffic stacking and not go, not, not try to just stack money on Facebook ads. <laughs> you don't just stack up the, you know, you, you can't scale these. You have to diversify your ad um, opportunities. And so that's a whole different topic, but this is why digital goods gives you a, a vector of approach for getting in front of customers, because if you just try to get in front of them through ads, it's it's a, a diminishing effectiveness situation. And so all that leads us, like everybody's like, what the heck are you, are you talking about related to digital goods? All that leads us to the value proposition of a digital good as an alternate product to put in front of uh, these high prospect, you know, high value prospects. And so that's, that's the thinking behind this whole issue of Ladria. And I think I just coined that phrase, by the way. So maybe I need to write a book or do a blog post or something like that. Cause yeah, it makes sense. I, I think that's, there's something there for us. So. Yeah. I, I definitely think there's, it's, it's definitely a phenomenon that it, in everyday life with e-commerce operators comes up every day and yet it's not really been conceptualized properly. Now I agree with that, but can you give me a concrete example of this, maybe in your, your business or a client's business? Cause I know you've been working to mm-hmm. add digital products to physical products. Uh, sure. Clients. Oh, sure. Yeah. I'm happy to give one example from a client that I'll just leave all the details blank, except to say it's a, a thriving seven figure business and they, they just crush it. And in their, their product category, they've done very, very well. And they came to us some year ago or so because they were as happens frequently, they had scaled effectively on Amazon, but felt like that was a risk to them and wanted to scale on Shopify. And so the project we entertained with them was to work on the Shopify piece and and uh, build that out. And they had come from another team that they had tried to work with that hadn't served them well, and or you know they had learned some stuff from, but they had moved on from. And so we've worked with them on the um, the Shopify side, but we also had, I think it's fair to say, expertise on the Amazon side that they weren't familiar with. It has even you know catalyzed their growth even more. So, so they ventured into these topics with me probably nine months ago, six months ago, something like that, and came up with an ebook product that they put out and they make it free on their website and they have an upsell of their primary product or one of their primary products. Very straightforward. I mean, it's just, it's a free information product that you can go to their site and get in their menu. It's like, get our free book. And, and then in the upsell, they're, they're sold the primary product. And that has turned into one of their primary landing pages on their website. And it converts. I mean, it works. And so it, it, what it's given them is a item to promote and advertise in many ways that is high value and has low cost of goods. 
Thanks so much for listening to another guest episode of The E-Commerce Leader. If you want to check that out to find out more about the broader e-commerce picture out there and more strategy level discussions rather than interview based, which is the 10K Collective speciality, then look for The E-Commerce Leader on your nearest podcasting app. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Um, we're getting a good following there. And Jason is a fantastic person to talk to you for lots of business wisdom, including strategic level thinking and the really broad e-commerce picture across lots of different platforms. So thank you very much for listening. As ever, if you like interviews and you want Amazon specific stuff, the 10K Collective Podcast is still the place to be. Either which way, thank you so much for paying attention. And don't forget to subscribe to whichever show you find gives you the best value. Thanks for listening. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best AI repricer for Amazon profits. Private label sellers, are you wasting your cash? Eva reprices your products for you and the result is up to 50% more profits. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers in the USA and is now out for British and European sellers as well. For a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A.